Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up? A mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Lindsay. And we also have with us today our special guest, James Scott, Jimmy Deloy. Yeah. Coming at you. <laughs> Yeah, you remember this guy from that uh, other episode. Yep, we had him on for at least one other episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited that you're here again. Yeah, me too. I'm excited that Lindsay's here today. Last time I was filling in, and now it's just all three of us. Yep. Yeah. So today on the podcast is a big one. Yeah. This has been like a big request, not only from listeners, but we've been wanting to do this for a while. We finally got schedules to coincide. Today we're talking addiction. Yep. And we do want to have a little bit of a warning. Um, if you're in a more sensitive spot or whatever, we will be discussing death, um, harder topics concerning addiction, how it affects your life, with family members, friends, etc. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw out a little warning because we know sometimes it's, you're not in the right spot for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you are family of us or if you are friends of us, you will be hearing us talking about some rather difficult topics. Yes. So also fair warning to that. The personal issues aside, this needs to be discussed because, my God, this is such a major defining factor of a lot of mental health issues. Definitely. And uh, I've got a dog that I'm petting right now. And if you're listening to this episode, I recommend going ahead and getting the nearest dog. (laughs) <laughs> Whether it's yours, a neighbor's, maybe uh, going to someone's backyard, there's sometimes there's dogs back there. Just put in your earbuds, sneak into a backyard, pet a dog, and listen to this. It'll feel a lot better for sure. <laughs> so boys, how are you guys holding up? I'm holding up. You know, uh, speaking of death, um, Thursday, la- not the Thursday I just passed, but the one before that, my brother passed away. And... Uh, let me just tell you out there, if you are dealing with alcoholism, uh, at some point, I recommend facing that issue because it can get very real and very final, very ultimate. My brother died of cirrhosis of the liver, uh, that, and he was 40 years old, so, you know, way, way, way too, too young. young to go out. Yeah. Um, he died of cirrhosis, and the cirrhosis... Uh, I think the cirrhosis led to cancer somehow, and the cancer eventually finally got him. But he had been drinking heavy yeah. for 20 years, uh, I want to say. What's cirrhosis, exactly, it's, for those who don't know? Your, your liver gets literally pickled, basically, mm-hmm. by alcohol. Uh, your liver gets to the point where it can't process anymore, and so it begins to harden mm. and turn into... It shrivels, basically. Yeah. Okay. And without your liver, you're fucked. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And yeah, about a year ago, uh, my mom... He was living with my parents, drinking mm-hmm. a bottle of vodka every single night, at least just the bottle. If not, you know, beers mm-hmm. on top of that. He weighed 110 pounds <sighs> when he was doing this. So he was really, really getting into it and uh they they came home and he was all yellow and jaundice so they brought him to the hospital and realized his liver had is gone is gone yeah Yeah. and uh he'd talk about addiction they told him if you stop drinking for six months and clean up we'll put you on a list to get a new liver yeah and he went about three weeks of not drinking and then he said fuck it i would rather be drunk and now he's dead yeah, now he's dead. He's probably experiencing the DTs and mm-hmm. all of that nastiness yeah. that comes with it. Yeah, and my brother had a real... he. I think he wasn't quite sure what to live for mm-hmm. rather than alcohol. 
you know. Yes. Uh, it became the biggest part of his life, yeah. absolutely. And he is he is the third one in my family to die of cirrhosis. My grandfather, my uncle, and now my brother have died of cirrhosis. And he's the fourth one in my family to die of alcohol-related. Because um, my, my basically adopted brother, my best friend growing up, was murdered at a bar while they were all drunk. My goodness. I know. So alcohol is basically... This really... Yeah. It's it's affected me huge. in a very real way. Yeah. I'm a huge alcohol addict. Of, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into it. But yeah. the, the genes didn't skip me. <laughs> it's it's kind of amazing. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Ex- I'm looking forward to discussing your thoughts on um, kind of upbringing and having it around you and discussed versus just genetic mm-hmm. lottery mm-hmm. of addiction in general. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to touch on, Chris, about how you're holding up? I mean, I'm doing okay at mm-hmm. this point. Like, I'm I'm kind of... I, I've spent the last week being more or less on the mend, which has been a unique uh, trial of <laughs> experiences. Kind That's of good. That, kind of like getting back on track of like... Okay, kept going back to my diet style, going nice. back to going back to exercising in the mornings. Yes. Good. I am sore AF. Nice. <laughs> I have to say, I've seen yeah. a difference because your mood for a while there was really, it wasn't sad, it was apathetic and slightly angry yep. for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. And then I saw you starting to turn that around and I know that you have like some apps that you've been delving into and trying. Yes. And that is, I'm... Appreciate so to good. see you doing that That's really good. for the, yourself. The clouds have parted a little yes. bit. There's some sun coming through. <laughs> oh, God, fuck that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so one of the apps that I've been using is one that I'm, I've am i I've emailed the developers of because I would love to have a whole episode dedicated to their app in particular. Great. Uh, but it's just called Fabulous. Okay. And all it is is it is a habit maker kind of app, which is interesting That's and cool. something that we will definitely touch on. Yeah. Uh, also just in this episode. <laughs> also in this episode, yeah. Yeah. Habits. Forming, forming habits, both good and detrimental, yeah. are very yes. much uh, a part of us as people. So, uh, starting off, let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Should we discuss what addiction is? Yes. Yeah. What is an addiction? Yeah. Um, it is, I, I mean, I personally believe, I'm very much on kind of like the Dr. Drew team of addiction is an illness. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, it is It is not necessarily something that uh, you get to choose, mm. yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, there's, there is a lot of familial genetic implements I find it interesting because there, I feel like there's a dis- there should be a discussion of that mm. and then how you can become addicted to basically anything as a human. For example, yeah. caffeine is a really good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be really addicted to um, your body gets addicted to it. And if you stop, you get a headache. And yeah. that is your withdrawal. Absolutely. And so when I hear people saying you can't get addicted to weed, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. Because your body can. Oh, yeah. But then you also get addicted to the ritual or the process. Mm, and, yeah. you know, and so that is like this whole other thing that I think just hasn't been discussed, the differentiations. Rituals mm. are a big part of my addiction. And yeah. it's funny because while I was an addict, I was one of the I, main people saying that you can't get addicted to anything, really. I, I didn't. Yeah. But <laughs> that was why I was heavily addicted to stuff. So I think I was just trying to justify it for myself. I'm not addicted, you know. Uh-huh. I just do cocaine every single day. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, I did have to laugh. I was at a party not too long ago where somebody did offer, like, the group of people I was with cocaine. Yeah. 
yeah. with the key with the with the tagline, it's not addictive. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I was like, you sir are out of time. I think. A, yeah. I think you just yeah. came out of a time warp from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I think the hardest thing is, yeah, is it's. It, there's this horrible stigma to addiction that makes people who have it or are around it not want to see it because it's mm-hmm. too it's too big of a word almost like you're an addict or mm-hmm. addiction mm-hmm. it's not what you think it is if you're living an addiction it's not what people who don't experience it is does that make sense no that like, makes sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah when you're when you're in when you're in the bubble you don't see it you know no, yeah you don't think of yourself you? as an addict and plus Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that addicts are portrayed in the media yes. is way you don't you don't see you know I was waking up every morning and going to a job and mm-hmm. I was I I was living a life I was doing things that Friends, relationships. sure and the whole thing I was keeping up a whole life yeah but I was also heavily heavily addicted yeah. you know and it was it it finally began to affect every all of that and it's know? usually I would say ninety percent of the time starts very slowly. And it's just doing a little bit every day or like, no, mm-hmm. well, it starts with doing like on the parties mm-hmm. and then you start doing it when you go to your friend's house. And so then you're suddenly, you know, for example, some simply drinking wine every day after work yeah. and then you become yep. used to it. Well, that's how I relax is drinking. And once yeah. you start substituting, coming down and relaxing on your own with a substance Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even to integrate. Doesn't even need to be an, a potentially illicit substance. It exactly. could very well be something as simple as food. Sure, it could absolutely. even be something like exercise exactly. can yeah. become an addiction. And yeah. there's so many things out there that can just be yeah. there. I mean, the World Health Organization wants to say video game addiction is the thing, and I'm like, yes, yes. but don't. But don't, don't don't create this weird yeah. monster out yeah. of it because yeah. you can do that with anything. Exactly, and it and um, that whole like uh, stigma of oh you do blow once and you're a crazy addict is very mm. rare. Yeah, and that's why I think it's dangerous. Because yeah, because the media does portray it differently for sure. And I'll go back. You know, if you really, I'll go back to the beginning with me. Um, I I was 16 in high school. And I got my wisdom teeth taken out, mm-hmm. and my dentist gave me just some like Percocets that were these like, <laughs> and so I started taking those for the wisdom teeth so stuff, the but for the painkillers. Right. But then, as soon as that was all out, I was like, okay, well, I definitely need more of those. <laughs> Why I, did you feel that way? Because I felt like whenever I woke up in the morning and popped this Percocet, now. The rest of my day, I'm more social. I'm more. I can. I, I felt like I could do more. I felt like I was. I don't know what it was, but it was. It made me feel like I could do. You know. And plus, I was 16 years old, and so you didn't have that, pain. Yeah, I didn't have pain, yeah. and I was. Yeah, I was playing football, and so I was. I felt like I was playing better, which you know, I, probably not. <laughs> well, to back but, up for a second, do you did you have depression in your teens? Yeah, I did. Uh, Most people do. A little yeah, bit. yeah, I definitely did. I okay. definitely did. I, I lost my virginity at 12 years old, and it wasn't by my choice. The okay. 16-year-old girl decided for me. <laughs> and so, well, that affects... Um, yeah, 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 and I think that definitely led to a lot of shit that I picked up. Um, yeah. I got into a relationship that wasn't necessarily abusive, but she and I were extremely codependent when I was mm-hmm. a teenager. And... That was, yeah, that led to a lot of depression, suppression, I would yeah. say, even more. Lack Just, of growth on your yeah, own. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I so would say. Yeah. yeah, Percocet comes. Oh, yeah, and Percocet comes. And you comes. feel great. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, so, okay. Yeah, and so that began 
a, you know, a lot of that. And then I drank a shit ton through college while still taking painkillers. Wow. And I continued that habit until ooh, three, four years ago. I was drinking and taking uh, opioids. Yeah. 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 Regularly. Um, and then, so I've got this from college, I've got this like drinking and opioid thing. And then I, I'm, I move out to LA and I start bartending at nightclubs in mm. West Hollywood. I was bartending at one and I discovered cocaine. <laughs> I had a, I had a shift from 9 PM to 5 AM every night. And I was not used to that. Yeah. And uh, some of the bartenders started doing blow in the bathroom. And I was like, maybe that'll help me. So, and it's so normal. Like when you're seeing this all the time and people are doing it and oh, you see yeah, them on yeah. it. When you hear cocaine, you think if you have never experienced it or been around it, you think of things that you've seen on TV where people are crazy. Yeah. And, stuff. and literally like a little bit of blow doesn't isn't like that you see people on it. it's like they had right. caffeine they yeah. had a little bit oh, of yeah. coffee people a little, a little bit more gregarious yep. it's mm-hmm. not this like yeah. yeah they're not suddenly drug monsters who can yeah. rip telephone booths out of like the floor well and the funny thing is is it, with our group of bartenders that were we were all doing blow throughout the night while bartending and i think what happens is whenever you're hanging out with a bunch of people that do cocaine you don't realize if you brought one person in that was just bone sober mm-hmm. on no drugs, they would say, you are all fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. you are, the things that you guys are saying to each other and the way that you're behaving right now, Nuts. you just don't realize how it, you know. But when you're, yeah, you just get, I got really swept into a cocaine culture. That was. That's a huge. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah. It, it fit hand in hand with yeah. my lifestyle. You know, I was. Everyone's doing it. Oh yeah. Everyone's doing it. I, I was bartending. I was, you know, in the first night I felt like Superman. I did cocaine and it was like, I could make a hundred drinks at once. You know, it was, it was. <laughs> Feel great. I was invincible. <laughs> And uh, that was, I did, I mean, I was 22, 23, and I was just ripping, ready to go. And I, that, I never wanted for that to come down. Like, that was the best feeling I'd ever gotten. And this is very controversial, but I don't regret, like, the first year that I did it, because I do think, in a haze, I did have some clarity happen from like I began to realize the depression that I had been under since my mm-hmm. teens, mm-hmm. and I do honestly attribute a lot of that to cocaine use. I do. I mean, I'm not saying go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. It just that's just so happened to be a side effect for me. Yeah, everyone has their own experience with stuff, and if yeah. you can find good out of an experience that could have potentially been really negative, yeah. mm-hmm. then yeah. it was it right. created who you are now. Right, right, right. But well, it's that whole thing of like you you take. A lot in, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and when you're when you're on that kind of elevated state of mind, you are going to see things and feel things and think things right. that otherwise your your cold stone sober brain Amen. is so going to just go nope. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> you know you have depression and you're tired and you don't feel great about life and things are overwhelming and you have so much to do and then you have the best antidepressant in yeah. the world right. in your system and you feel 
wonderful. Yep. Things don't affect you deeply emotionally, exactly. painfully. You feel like everyone likes you. You like everyone. You enjoy doing menial tasks. Exactly. They become like entertaining for yep. you. And yep. You feel good. Yep. And you feel a part of something with other people who are doing it. And suddenly you are this unit. And that's yep. what I think cocaine is like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you hit the nail on the head is surface level feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, there is nothing that will get to you on, I would say, the first couple of times doing cocaine. There's nothing that's going to hurt your feelings. Yeah. It's all going to hit and bounce right yeah. off. And so I think that was, I was able to think about some things that I wasn't able to think about before because yeah. now it doesn't hurt me it as bad. It a little bit from that. But that being said, I would, uh, I would strongly advise not to go that course because nope. <laughs> you begin to want that feeling all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would say the first year of doing it, uh, I was feeling great, and then immediately that was it. Like after yep. that, it became you do start to all those feelings that you were pushing back. Now you do start to feel those, and now in a in a really bad way. And mm-hmm. I'll just say, like what it wound up being was about three years of cocaine uh, every single day, and about half a bottle of whiskey every single night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, of. to come down. And then that became three quarters of a bottle of whiskey. Right. Yeah. And I carried this on while I was still on the opioids for the first yeah. few years. And it's not like you're journaling it so you can see yeah. change, yes, right? With exactly. substances. It's not like yeah. you're seeing, like, wow, I'm doing a lot of cocaine every yeah. day and drinking a lot more alcohol than I used to. You <laughs> yeah. don't. This like, is the weirdest just, calorie counting I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens. And especially if you have friends who are also kind of engaged, like, hey, man, like, can I come over? You want to do some blow? Watch like a movie? And yep. It's like, cool, you know? Yep, yep. It's. Yep. it's I don't know how to describe it for people who don't experience those kind right. of things. But yeah. yeah, I used to live in a house where that would happen a lot. Yeah. yeah. It just becomes normal life. Alcohol life. for me was mm-hmm. definitely that same route because I was, yeah, I was killing a bottle of scotch at a party. Oh, like, yeah. Like, not yeah. even like a day. No, just a party. Yeah. And so, like, Jesus. then the, the the regular day-to-day was just like, nope, this is, this is, this is, this is not the state I want to be yeah. in. Yep. Uh, let me go back to that former state where I enjoyed who I was, and I also was very much, I became, like, this character I would call the storyteller, mm-hmm. where I would just, like, gather people around me, and I'd be like, I am going to tell you a story yes. now, yeah. that I'm going to make the fuck up off the top of my head. <laughs> and you know, the wonderful thing about Chris is he can do this sober or drunk, yeah. but I bet you felt it more. Oh, I oh, was, sure. well, it was best because at that point, like, I would have, like, a lull in the story, and I'd go, you, bring me another beer. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's awesome. And that's and that's one thing I do want to tackle in this episode is substances, uh, like alcohol, I would never say don't drink. You know, on Friday yeah. and Saturday these days, it's time for, you know, I'll yeah. have, I'll drink, but don't let it become an issue. You know, that's, yeah. If it's something that you can't do responsibly or to a level yeah. where you don't get completely out of your mind yeah then it's 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 a much more difficult scenario at that right. point because like yeah. you, you've got something else to address yeah so chris you've had um you were saying you've had like alcohol yes. problems and james had um uppers and alcohol problems and i had a slew of different issues mm-hmm. and was surrounded by them um, a lot of people say weed can't become addictive mm-hmm. but i was in a situation with um a boyfriend where I had had a lot of bad stuff happen in high school, a lot of bad stuff with the family, a lot of disappointments in myself, 
and I got in a codependent relationship, mm -hmm. and all the drugs were exposed to me through this relationship because he was a drug dealer. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> and that he, right to the source. Yeah, exactly. So he st starts off with just like weed, which I think in general, weed is not a huge thing. Like you can get too high, but you know, sure. you're not going to really overdose. Right. You're not going to, and no. it can stop you from maybe um, advancing quicker in um, like. It, it calms you down a lot, so it can kind of slow down your momentum because it relaxes you. Yeah. But what ended up happening for me is I started smoking um, wax. Yeah. And um, that oh, yeah. is a lot more intense. And I was taking bong rips maybe three, four, five times a day. Like I'd wake up, rip a bong rip of, of wax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the crack of weed. Yeah. yeah. And it's and so yeah. and I was told by these very intelligent, very high people, that it was better for me uh -huh. because you're smoking less and it's a more concentrated form of THC. <laughs> I did not know it was basically like heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was so high all the time that I actually don't remember a few years of my life that much because I was just I can see that. high. And I remember going on a vacation. I didn't realize it was a problem until I went on a vacation with my family and I didn't have any. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And suddenly I couldn't eat. Yep. I was getting sweats and I was a bitch. I hated yep. everyone. Everything was irritating. I couldn't like, and I'm a introvert. I like to read and kind of just sit with myself and, you know, look at the birds. And I couldn't do that. I was antsy and I was sweaty yeah. and I was just like, like, wow, I have a fucking problem. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm, I have a huge issue. Because yep. for me, I was raised in a family where you can drink alcohol kind of whenever at a party and stuff. And, and it was monitored. But so I didn't raise, I was kind of, I knew how much I could drink without getting super drunk. And so that wasn't the issue. It was like weed and then trying, you know, uh, party drugs like Raven Molly and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and yeah. then uppers. And so I think it's interesting, depending on your depression and how you feel about yourself, what substances you take mm -hmm. to make yourself feel whole or really good. Definitely. And so for me, it would um, eventually morphed into uppers as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it interesting that what you're saying, Chris, of like how alcohol hit you is how it um, like uppers would hit me. Mm -hmm. And maybe for you too, James, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Chemically speaking, yeah. like also when I, the first time I ever like tried weed, I got angry. Oh, that's right. You yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. It made me mad. It yeah. actually made me that's almost enraged at the people around me. Wow. Like, I went into the space that you went into without it. Yeah. Where that's I was so just funny. like, everyone around me needs to shut the fuck up and leave me alone <laughs> because I can't deal with any of your shit right now. You had a bad strain, it's man. It's funny because, like, I would say I tried Indica and I tried Sativa two <laughs> yeah. different occasions. Too bad. Both times. <laughs> Led me to extreme wow. thoughts of anger. It was S insane. Sativa, I could see. Sativa kind of makes me a little bit, for sure, edgy sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, and if you're know. expecting like to be relaxed and giggly, and you get angry, it's very, oh, that's confusing, very when confusing when you're on. That I think, sucks. I yeah. think it was absolutely I'm relaxed and angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking angry, but I can't not tense up. Um, Turn on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I I think though the more interesting part that came from that also was just that. I, I didn't try anything until, like, way later, and then I was like, oh, no, this actually kind of helped. Yeah. It was, how, it was one of the methods that I used to get off of antidepressants. That's, see, that's what, that's what marijuana became for me, was because I, finally at one point in that story of my life, I decided I almost destroyed my whole life with cocaine. Mm -hmm. um, 
I almost destroyed I, everything. My marriage, my life. Yeah. Uh, my bank account was empty. Guaranteed empty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, always. I. It was. You know. I. The spending is crazy, but that is definitely a rich person's drug. Um. And so I decided to totally get off of it. It's time to quit. And I had started smoking a little bit because I started smoking weed when I decided to get off the opiates. It all went in like layers. I decided to get off of all this shit. Well, it had also just become legalized in California yeah, around just, that yeah, time. Yeah, so right it was... around that. Yeah, so it was a perfect time. So when I quit doing the blow, I could quit drinking whiskey. Marijuana was a huge. It was medicine for me. I mean, it really like I could smoke a joint. And now I don't want any of those things, mm -hmm. you know, and that was incredible for me. Interestingly enough, I, yeah, I'd smoked weed a couple times in like college and it was whatever. And then when I started smoking with my boyfriend, I was coming off antidepressants yeah. and he was like, we need to like, and I did it wrong guys. I did not get the help of a doctor to come off my yeah. antidepressants. I did yeah. it on my own. So yeah. I weaned myself, quote unquote. <laughs> Same yep. here. And what happened for me, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I would get brain zaps is what they call them. And it basically feels like there's a lightning bolt that goes through your brain. And it is your neurons, like things realigning with the chemicals. There's a whole science behind it. I don't know it. But so, and, and I would have these rages because all of this time where I'd been um, on drug, like antidepressants, and now all these feelings were coming back to me that I hadn't really experienced in a while because mm. my antidepressants weren't working and they were suppressing. And so then I was raging, like raging, like throwing shit across the room, which is not my personality. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so then I would get high mm -hmm. and then I stopped going to college and then I yeah. went too far. Yeah. So this is, I think, a good example of where something that can be helpful for one person mm -hmm. is too much for another and you really can't compare yourself to other people. Absolutely. No, absolutely. You know? Because while... Marijuana did help me. It was a very specific, you know, those yeah. were specific circumstances. And I have seen marijuana as much as I am a fan of legalized marijuana and using marijuana as a medicine the way it should be used. Yeah. I will say I have witnessed plenty of people, the, the, the burnout stereotype where yeah. weed has totally ruined their life. They get up in the morning and smoke and don't do anything for the rest of the day, yeah. you know, and there's a difference between using it for pain and anxiety to help you live your full life, you know, rather than using it to forget about the fact that you're just sitting around in your sweatpants all day long, every single day playing video yeah. games, you know, yeah. uh, you got to get out there and, you know, I, yeah, uh, edibles have helped a lot. I don't smoke weed in the morning for okay. sure. Like that is, that just, that's a nighttime thing for me whenever I'm yeah. ready to like shut the brain off. Yeah. But an edible in the morning I will admit, you know, that helps for sure. In what way? Just anxiety. And mm -hmm. I think all the addictions that I used to have, I'm getting to the point now in my life where I can actually go with nothing in my body. And that's, that's awesome. crazy. And yeah, it feels really good. It feels really good. I'm waking up every morning feeling great. That's the funny part. Like Rock River was saying earlier about how you feel during the day. It's really interesting as an addict what you're willing to put up with. Mm -hmm. I Waking up mm. at, it got to the point where like, I couldn't wake up before two, for sure. Or else it was death, like rolling around, dying. <laughs> Is it because you went to bed so late? So I would go to bed at, at 5 a.m. and I would, you know, yeah. I would be doing all of these things until 5 a.m. Yeah. And I think that was a lot of... I didn't want to go to sleep because of the depression. That was a lot of anxiety and depression that... 
I was uh, dealing with my demons every night, so to speak. So you're saying it's interesting what you're willing to put up yeah. with as an addict in terms of like how much you put yourself through. How much you put yourself through mm-hmm. because I'd wake up the next day, death mode, mm-hmm. and then the hangover would usually last until I sometimes 7 p.m., you know, yeah. and then, and then you'd crack it back open and yeah. get it all going back again. And then that... I, I then whenever I got a job that wasn't nighttime hours, I I left bartending, began the office job that I have with you guys mm-hmm. now. Um, I was still trying to carry it on. I was just being hung over at work now, and now yeah, <laughs> you remember? I still specifically have a story when James and I first started working together, where he showed up to work and I noticed he had some coke residue around yep. his nose. Oh, yep, James. in the office, and I just and I just went, hey James. Yeah, and he was just like, "Oh shit!" If you don't know you're an addict, <laughs> if, yeah, I would say that that's a that's an alarm. Yeah, say <laughs> that's, that's a no. That's a notification. When I gotta come up to you and be like, "You got some booger sugar going on yeah. there." Buddy. Yep. At so the for both of you guys, when was kind? Let's start with uh, Chris. When yeah. was the time when you were like, "Okay, this is becoming a problem for me"? It was definitely. One it one episode in particular where I um I had had maybe like three quarters or a full bottle of scotch that night can't remember which uh I had it was the party was over I was still drinking I was oh, still yeah. the only one drinking yep. <laughs> and Gosh. I sat there for a minute as like I was I was like single and hating everybody especially myself and this couple had like basically like taken over my bedroom at one point mm. wow. and I was like I'm going for a walk oh. and I walked out of my own home uh completely wasted like, like this was like this is hammered. getting close to blackout yeah. level and yeah. I had walked down the staircase somehow without falling and I literally got lost man I walked the streets of the town I was living in just lost yeah and I didn't I I I finally, like, I got, like, a sitting on a fence at, like, 5 or 6 in the morning. The sun was coming up. Yeah. I was still oh, drunk. I, and I yeah. sat there, and I stared at the sun for a minute. I was just like, this is not how this evening should yeah. have ended. Right. This should not have ended this way. That has happened to me before, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I wound up staying late with some of the bartenders one night, and we all just... We had free booze, basically, mm-hmm. and I, I literally woke up in Santa Monica, walking down a street, and I didn't know how, I, and my phone was dead. Oh, my God. It was the worst day of my whole life. It was like 8 a.m., which, oh. by the way, you and I talked about this, where mm-hmm. when the sun starts coming up, and people are all going to work, mm-hmm. and you are still, still like blackout, it is the worst. <laughs> Worst, I, I I will never have that feeling again in my life. Yep. I'll no. never do it to myself. Mm-mm. Never ever again. That is, you feel like the the shame. <laughs> There's so much shame, the and guilt, shame. Yeah. and disgust. And disgust. Yeah. And, and who am like, I? Yes. yes, I don't know how people do it. So I was never the type that I had friends who would be like. Look, the sun's coming up. Time to make another drink. And it was like, oh my God, no. I want to go like jump off a building. It's time for sangria. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Friends were like that. Oh. So yours was when you had been your moment was when you are watching the sun come up lost and drunk. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. then what was yours, James? Uh God, I Rock Bottom was just 
I mean, I hit a lot of rock bottoms, to be honest. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of nights where things were just exploding because of what I was doing, and I'm blackout drunk, and I, I'm fucking up my whole world. That didn't, it didn't end there. It honestly just came to a, I, don't, I, I just had a moment of clarity at some point where Same all the different yeah times. i think i was mm -hmm. like i think i was doing like a key bump at 3 p.m to you know and i was like this has got to go and mm -hmm. that is where i will tell you after three years of every single day intake of cocaine i quit cold fucking turkey which i don't know if i would rec i would necessarily recommend it maybe see a doctor yeah I never looked back. Like I, yeah. I it, it ended there, and what was I've your never gone back. Was like? N I, to be honest, not a lot. For your yeah, I thought that I was I was ready for a war. Like I was ready for yeah. my body to go through the whole, the whole thing. thing. And I, God, willing, mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. The universe, I guess, was right there with me when I decided to quit because I didn't. I mean, I the first week, I would say the worst is. When you're coming off of cocaine, you get really depressed. Mm -hmm. The depression is bad, but luckily I was already so depressed already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't like it a, wasn't, yeah. yeah. And um, but I'd say if you're gonna quit, just line something up for yourself. I del I really dove deep into this project that I've been working on for the past two years, and that replaced a lot of that. And I just got my hands busy, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thank God. I never really experienced a stupor withdrawal or DTs or anything like that. Yeah. And if you put a line of blow in front of me right now, mm. I would say thank you. That's very courteous of you because that's very expensive. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Go ahead. Oh, well, how about for you? What was your healing process once oh, the you decided healing process. to stop? Well, Did you have withdrawals? I mean, at that point, I didn't really have withdrawals. I had, I had a, a strange sort of like... I don't know what it was in particular. I know that I started at that point. That was when I went on my fitness kick. Mm -hmm. And I lost like 60 pounds. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I felt the best in my life at that point. And then it came back and then lost it again and then came back. So it's it's been a it's been an ongoing thing where usually when I hit rock bottom, the the next step is I go head first into recovery yep. of like transforming myself into the person that I want to be for like six months. And then I destroy myself again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in terms of like, I don't think I have any addictions at this moment other mm. than just like food is still a horrible comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really, I don't know. It came to a head ultimately the last time was just, I got tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's there was a quote that I was I was told recently that like stuck to my head and I can't believe that uh, I'm not remembering it right now. It was basically that the healthy wear a crown that only the ill can see. Interest. Oh yeah, that's it's, a good it's, way of putting it. It's something that that exists not only in just like the the medically ill, the mentally ill also, yeah. as well as anybody who has just been there in that low point of, I have nothing else but this one thing. Yeah. And when you start living for one thing, whether it's you know whatever it is, it honestly you need to diversify. <laughs> And that's a, yeah, and I, I really agree with that because that is one thing, if you do know someone who's addicted, 
Um, I know it's hard. It, it was hard to have sympathy for certain people because you say you're doing it to yourself. Why don't you just quit? But when I was super addicted to everything, I would. I would look at people who didn't like my wife, Shelby, mm -hmm. has really no vices. She yeah. drinks coffee. That's probably her only <laughs> vice. She does not love drinking. She doesn't love drugs. She's She doesn't even, you know, she just doesn't. It's just not part of her. And I was always so like, God, how do you do this? Like, I'm so jealous of that. I want to, I would love to be that healthy. Yeah. And so there are, when people are addicted, they are, they're probably looking at healthy people wishing that they could be there, to yeah. be honest. And that's, you know, it's and a sad And we're lucky state. because our addictions and the things that we've gone through have never fallen to a point where we're homeless. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we literally can't, physically can't without hospitalization. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, get off of it. When, because now, again, we were discussing earlier what works for some people. For me, also, going cold turkey off of um, smoking very heavily... And I just worked all the time and I just kind of, I was, went to dog walking and I moved out of the situation I was in. Um, so walking dogs all the time, kind of detoxing from being in a situation where everybody was doing the same drug. Um, it was helpful just to completely get out of that. But some people need professional help. Definitely. They need to go to Narcotics Anonymous or AA or they have to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. When do you think that is something that's necessary? If you find yourself knowing that you're destroying yourself and just really, really can't stop. I would yeah. say it's time. I, mm -hmm. I think I, I was lucky enough to uh, help myself out of it. And I think we, the three of us had, uh, we were strong enough to pull ourselves out of stuff and realize mm -hmm. how bad we were fucking up. But I think some people, again, like um, my brother, you know, my brother, I feel like he didn't have a lot to look at besides what he was going through, um, which is a lot, you know, you gotta, you gotta, I don't know how to put it, but yeah, like, uh, if you, if you find yourself with nothing to turn to, mm -hmm. it's time for professional help. And I, I think I want to stress, and I know you didn't mean it this way, James, it's mm -hmm. not about strength, mm -hmm. like us being strong enough to pull ourselves out of, because some people can't, and it's not because you're not strong. Right. No, we all just not. had circumstances that for whatever reason we were lucky enough that we weren't addicted enough or you know we, we had, had people, people backing us up yeah us. People. If you have nothing and you have so much shame and you have so much and you don't have family or friends to help you i mean that's when i think you're right like you need we need people to help us definitely yeah. regardless if you're an addict or you're depressed or just even if you're fully healthy you still need people to help yep. you especially yep. if you've developed a community around the addiction that you have like yes. it's it's when you find yourself fam like familiarized oh and you, yeah and you feel like if you if you stop drinking and you can't be fun anymore yeah. and you have you can't be hanging out with the cool kids yeah then there's not a whole lot of incentive mentally to yourself where that's where what you want to do you don't Absolutely. want to sober up because you're not the, you're the fun guy yeah. come on it becomes a part of your identity it became yeah. a part of mine i was the party guy i was the guy who loved cocaine and alcohol and everyone knew that mm -hmm. and if you needed a guy to do blow with i was your dude you mm -hmm. know and that it becomes a part of your identity and so i know that that can be very hard to uh strip you're stripping a part of your identity now those people who thought you were so cool for this thing aren't going to think you're cool anymore. Because they're dealing with their own demons. Yeah, and exactly. They, and they, all at that point, it just looks like they're getting abandoned. Yeah. 
And yeah. and that's a big thing that really interferes with the healing process is that fear of abandonment. So right. that is when in finding professional help, it's also finding support groups yeah. for you. And if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're trying to sober up, there are groups out there for them. Mm-hmm. They they also need as much help as you do yeah. because they're having to deal with what you're going through and they care about you and they mm-hmm. know that you're going through hell and they can't do anything to help them. So they can't do anything to help you. Yeah. And remember it's your body, not theirs. Yeah. You know, it, it, no one can know. No one can know what you're going through. Exactly. Right. You and have to take responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to take it seriously. I mean, that's, you know, I didn't take it seriously at all. And I was the fun drug dude. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so much fun and so cool. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, you can, you literally, there could be moral consequences mm-hmm. that, and I've, I've seen it, you know, and I, I it's serious. Yeah. For your brother, mm-hmm. do you think that a huge part of it was his depression and anxiety that he was trying to cover up? Absolutely. Yeah. His, yeah. His dad was a pretty rough dude, Louisiana man. And, uh, yeah, he, my mom, uh, left his father when my brother was around eight or nine okay. because he threw my mother across the kitchen, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they got out of that. And then my brother was my, my, you know, my mom was a single mom mm-hmm. for a long time trying to raise my brother and trying to make mm-hmm. ends meet. And yeah, he was my half brother. So there was a lot that I didn't see in his life. And I was born when he was 10 years old. Okay. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, um, a mountain of suppressed feelings, which is, again, I got to go back to suppression is, is a, is a killer, you know, suppression is cancer almost. If you're feeling things, that's where that professional help really comes into play. Because if you have no one to talk to about your feelings, Suppression is very bad. I, I would ward against suppression all the time. So for this is a question for both of you guys because mm. you're dudes mm. um, and you've probably experienced toxic masculinity. How do you like recommend if somebody's out there and he doesn't know how to like, how do you talk about your, you know, like how do you yeah. find someone who's safe enough to talk about your feelings with? Like, hey, how do you do that? The most masculine thing mm-hmm. is being a dude who doesn't give a shit about mm. if you think he's masculine or not, yeah. in my opinion. And you know, I I think we're so blessed right now to be living in 2019, 2018. This whole thing has cropped up where therapy is yes. cool now. And yeah, that is yes. amazing. That's, that's, therapy is good. I, we're all just realizing it. I was anti-therapy whenever I was like a 20-year-old dude. I was like, well, you got to go talk to somebody about your feelings, Mm -hmm. you know. And and now I see, yes, you do. You you really do, man. Yeah, man. I mean, think about the the manly, I mean, a Navy SEAL needs therapy more than anyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like the manliest dude you can think of is he needs therapy. Everyone needs therapy. Everyone needs to talk. Oh, I do have a fun, speaking of therapy, fun little announcement. I'm getting a new therapist on Wednesday. Yeah, so I'm going to have that little first meeting conversation thing, and hopefully it'll work out. So cool on that. And I'm going to talk about the podcast a bit and be like, so, I want some 
opinions. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that getting therapy is easily one of the best things that we can do as a society. Yeah. I've <laughs> like, heard with a new therapist, you beat up the biggest dude on the first day, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that how that, that whole works? Or no way, that's prison. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, as, as far as like the toxic masculinity thing, like I have, I don't know. I was raised by women. Right. So, but in society, it, in surely. society, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I had a, I had a unique perspective in that I was always raised with the the perspective of talking about your feelings is the most like secure masculine thing to That's do because good. the alternative is you bottle it up and you become a raging psychopath. Absolutely. Or worse, you just don't ever learn from it. Oh. You don't ever advance. And here's the thing: like just because. I was, I was, I listened to a lot of TED Talks. Um, <laughs> so you could say I'm a professional. No. Yeah. Um, but feelings sometimes, logically, I can know that my feelings don't make sense mm. or are not logical and they feel stupid, but I'm still experiencing a very strong emotion. So I have to take a time and either discuss it with the person. I do this with my best friend or my uh, romantic partner is you're like, hey... I'm really upset that this happened. I know logically that might be a silly feeling that I'm having, but this is how I'm feeling. Can we talk about it? And then we fix it, mm -hmm. and then the feelings go away. Yeah. And so I think just knowing that as a human, you're going to have feelings, whether you're a man or a woman. It's just oh, yeah. part of our suppressing yeah. it doesn't make you more anything. No, not at all. You know, I grew up in Mississippi where, yeah, that was talking to your dude friends about, you know, my redneck buddies about my feelings. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, you didn't really do Culturally, it. Culturally, that was basically shunned. Like, yeah. If you got it. Like, yeah, yeah, and it does suck. And, you know, um, I, that leads to, a, I, I know a lot of those guys who are still just kind of stuck in the same place forever mm -hmm. because they were never really able to express themselves, I feel like, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. And it's, then, yeah, then you have drugs and then you yep. get to feel feelings and be fun. And yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah. So, so now that all of us are pretty much like sober, I would say, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, how do you ultimately feel about your experiences that you've dealt with? Is it something that ultimately you can feel freer talking about now mm -hmm. or is it something that is still like a deep shame that really holds you back hmm. it's not a deep shame for me mm -hmm. it was for a while but i'm ready to talk about it now because mm -hmm. i do truly feel that i have conquered it and not only am i not ashamed of my past anymore i'm prideful in the fact that I was able to I feel like I won like I won a war I think it is the advancement yeah. that does a lot of times matter most yeah. is when you can look back and go yeah I was in a very dark place then yep I got through it yeah I may be in a dark place now or I may be in a dark place in the future yeah but that does not mean that I am incapable of overcoming it I tell myself almost it's almost a daily feeling, to be honest. Still, it's pretty fresh that I've been working out every day mm -hmm. for the past year and a half or so. Yeah. I had gotten to the point where I was really heavy into my addictions. I got up to like a weight that I had never hit before because I was 
I would, I was done with the gym. I couldn't go to the gym. I felt sure. way too terrible. Mm-hmm. So now the fact that I wake up in the morning feeling awesome and I have coffee and I go to work and I go to the gym mm-hmm. and I'm making more money than I've ever made and my projects are all like actually taking off and mm-hmm. uh, coming to fruition and this is all, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling and I do. I look in the mirror almost every single day and I say, you used to be stuck on the couch doing blow and not being able to stop and now look at you now look at you like i want talk yes yeah (laughs) you have to you have to you've got to talk to yourself even if you're faking it till you make it you know (laughs) yeah absolutely and i just want to put out a little note there for those of you um who have maybe won and then lost again yeah and then won again and now you feel like maybe you're losing again that doesn't mean that you're actually losing. Every no. time you go through, it's, um, a it's a learning process, it's a growing process and a healing process. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sometimes just with depression in general, where I'm like, hey, I'm not depressed and I'm getting through it and I'm healing. And then I hit, get hit with depression and I feel almost guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that happens with addiction. I went from um, being a healthy person to being somebody who lived in a bad situation, who did too much drugs, who lived in a healthy situation, who went back with living with people who were doing bad things. And it happens sometimes. And that doesn't make you weak. And it doesn't make you a bad person. No. Mm-hmm. So just putting that out there for It just makes you a person. It's just... I would like to wrap up our little conversation, yeah. I think, uh, with probably the silliest example that I have uh, from a, the very first addiction I ever had, caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in high school, and it was during the summertime, that I went on a trip to Missouri with my then-girlfriend to spend time with her family. And I got there, and nobody there drank caffeine. Mm -hmm. I was on, at that point in my life, like a six-pack of Dr. Pepper a day. I was drinking the approximate, like, consumption of maybe, like, four, five, six... Actually, it's more like six cups of coffee a day, easily. And I went cold turkey oh yeah for sweats i, I had the, the sweats i had the, the headaches, worst headaches i felt the worst pain in my entire life yes. during that experience and later on that addiction basically got me to a point where i now can drink coffee and i could probably take a nap afterwards yeah because it just does nothing yeah. my brain is permanently changed <laughs> yeah from like the amount of caffeine i was consuming so you want to talk lingering effects? <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Coffee does nothing for me anymore. <laughs> yep. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, James, for sharing with us. Yay. Um, and just another reminder that we are not professionals. This is, was just a discussion. If Hell no. If you do need professional help, we will have some links at the bottom. We absolutely will. And uh, follow us on Instagram at Hey Who Podcast. Like our Facebook page. And if you want to send us something directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com also another announcement we are making a subreddit that we will be uh, posting the episodes to and having discussions available yes. we'll have you can post all sorts of things we're just going to get some moderators up stay tuned to the Instagram we will be posting news on that and the Facebook as it develops mm-hmm. and also uh, James you want to plug anything Yes, uh, go to iTunes, uh, Film History, The History of Film, with Jimmy Deloy and Sailor Dev. Those are your two co-hosts of that show. 
where we dive deep into the history of films and television and Hollywood in general. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun show. We just got uh, we're we just got some news. It's really cool. Uh, I'll say it later. But go check it out. Uh, iTunes. It's under Skit Bags Radio on iTunes, and it's uh, we'll just link listen. It below. <laughs> yeah, it's all linked in the description. We all. I listened to the episode on the history of the Hollywood sign. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's some pretty good stuff, guys. So yeah. go and enjoy some Skit Bags entertainment over there. Yeah. So next week's episode is about Marilyn Monroe. Oh, fascinating stuff. Actually, yeah. some dark. Yes. Stuff. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear you it. You talk about addiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, as always, don't, don't tell, tell us to just get over it. it.